Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. I'm Pat Cummins. I'm Josh Hazelwood. I'm Elizabeth Kowaja. I'm Mitch Marsh. I'm Mitch Stark and you're listening to the Unplayable Podcast. This is the Unplayable Podcast. In this week's episode, we speak to test all-rounder Mitchell Marsh about the upcoming series against India and cricket.com.au journalist Laura Jolly from the Caribbean to recap Australia's T20 World Cup triumph. But we start with test legend Ricky Ponting, who thanks to Gillette reveals his Australian 11 for the first domain test against India at the Adelaide Oval from December 6. Ricky then speaks about India's attack and who to watch out for this summer. I'll go with Marcus Harris, Aaron Finch. Marcus Harris, look, he's been talked about for a long time. I remember when he first came into the WA side, speaking to Justin Langer about him, and he thought that this guy was potentially an Australian player in the making. Things didn't really work out for him over there in WA. He decides to move to Victoria, and you know his last few seasons have been very, very good. Not many, well, no batsmen have really dominated domestic Sheffield Shield cricket the last few years, but if you look at the, the numbers and certainly the way he's performed this year, he, he deserves his chance to be opening the batting. Finch is a bit of a... An anomaly, really, that he's the last few years he's done most of his batting for Victoria in the middle order, and then because he, you know, they go to the UAE where conditions probably weren't going to be that new ball friendly, um, they gave him a chance to open the batting there and did reasonably well. So he deserves to stay in the team and open. Yeah, he's had he's had a lot of success around the world um, opening the batting in T20s and One Day Internationals. If you can go in with a similar mindset um, and not worry too much about opening the batting in a Test match in Australia against the Red Ball, then I'm I'm sure he'll have some success. Guzman Kawaja at three, Sean Marsh at four. Well, it's the other thing they could have done, really. I mean, they could have opened with, with Harris and Kawaja, batted Sean Marsh at three and slotted Finch in the middle order somewhere. That's the other option that they maybe still have. Who knows what they're thinking? But I think the fact that Finch has been picked probably means he's going to open. Um, so I'm not surprised they've broken that up. Um, look, Kawaja is an outstanding batsman wherever he plays. And I've, I've been a huge fan of, of Kawaja for a long time and probably... You know, outspokenly so. A lot of people have been quite critical of him over the years. Um, but you know, they, they, sometimes there's guys that you just have to stick with. You know, you've just got to just got to pick him and give him a go. And you know, I know he had a bad run in the subcontinent or whatever, but so did I for the first part of my career as well. And then, you know, suddenly you start to work it out. And like he showed in the UAE, he played one of the all-time great rear guard innings that an Australian players ever ever managed. So. Um, you know, he found a way to play really well over there and let's hope that it is the making of him, not just for this summer, but for the rest of his career. Let's hope that's another 10 years. Tough one here, Travis Head, Peter Hanscom. I'm going to go with Travis Head, coming off um, a reasonable job, I thought, in the UAE. Is it a concern for Australia to have the less left-handers? They've just got to pick their best batting lineup. simple as that. Don't worry if they're all left-handed or if they're all right-handed. They've got to find guys that are, that are going to be good, consistent run scorers, not just now, but there's an Ashes series not far away either, and they need to show some faith in who they believe are the right people and give them a crack. Mitchell Marsh back into the side at six, Tim Payne seven, Mitchell Stark eight, Pat Cummins nine, Lyon ten, Hazelwood eleven. So the guys out for me are Hanscom and Tremaine and Siddle. Their fast bowling brigade, I think, will be Bhuvanesh Kumar, Umesh Yadav, probably Mohamed Shami, probably the way I'd go here. In Australia, Shami's a very good reverse swing bowler. Bivnesh was very good with the new ball, brand new ball. 
Spinner, I think I think I'll actually go. If I was them, I'd go with Cool Deep. I know I know what um, Ashman can do. He can bowl tight. He can do all that sort of stuff. I'm just not sure how many wickets he's going to get in Australian conditions, especially starting in Adelaide and then going to Perth. So if I was them, I'd look at playing the leg spinner as well. To watch the whole video, head to cricket.com.au and the CA Live app. Up next, it's Mitch Marsh. Mitchell Marsh is on the line over there in Perth. And Mitch, I'll start off by asking you, did you catch Sunday's Gillette T20 International at the SCG? A big crowd in India taking the chocolates there in a pretty close one. Yeah, I did. It was um, a pretty good game in the end, wasn't it? I think um, after the first six overs of India's um, batting innings, you thought it was going to be over pretty quick. But the <laughs> boys um, fought that well. And, yeah, a bit of a shame. It was, um, yeah, King Coley uh, arrived in Australia, didn't he? You certainly did, and the, one of the first questions that Alex Carey got asked in the post-match press conference was, how do you stop King Coley this summer, Mitch? Uh, have you got any answers? I think Payne should just bring me on, to be honest. <laughs> I'll get him. There, there it is. That's easy, isn't it? <laughs> so, oh, look, we've, yeah, it's going to be a challenge, but um, you know, he's the best player in the world. But I think as an international cricketer, um, our bowling attacks one of the best in the world and um, it's going to be a great contest for, for people to watch you know that's why that's why we play we want to entertain people and hopefully um, you know, this summer is going to be the start of that with um, you know with trying to uh, tame the beast mate and just before we get on to the test stuff and uh, shield cricket uh, how good was it to see the Australian women's team go over there in the Caribbean win the world T20 title or the T20 World Cup as it's now known and they're going to come back uh, in 2020 as defending champions. Yeah, oh, it's amazing for the girls. Um, yeah, super proud of them. I think you know the way the the women's game's grown over the last couple of years. Um, I've certainly got to know a lot of those girls on a personal level um, and see how hard they work and it's great for the game. Hopefully, um, you know they can inspire young girls all over the country and all over the world, for that matter, to to grow up wanting to play cricket for Australia or for their respective countries. So. Um, yeah, it was awesome to watch. I watched it on TV at the Wacker at the Scorchers Fan Day, and um, everyone was up and about. So, um, so yeah, we were just really stoked for them, and I'm sure they celebrated well. It was fantastic, no doubt. Now, Mitch, on to you. Uh, you had a bit of a tough time over there in the UAE. Reflecting on that tour, um, what were some of the learnings that you took away from that experience? Uh, I had a pretty sore front pad, to be honest, once I got <laughs> home. I had to ice it up for a couple of weeks. <laughs> Muhammad Abbas caught me. Um, yeah, look, I think I definitely learned a lot. When you go, it's, it's really hard place to play cricket, but um, you know, because the wickets seemed so flat and, and we didn't do so well. But um, I think for me, I said I said it a couple of times now. The biggest thing um, I learned about that is just for me, you know, I, everyone's a nervous starter, but when I get a little bit nervous, I get uh, pretty heavy myself, and um, it's about being as sharp as I possibly can be at the start of my innings. And I know that when I do that, then. Um, you know, I can I can do well, and um, I showed that to myself last summer. So hopefully, I'll be able to do that again um, this summer, and um, yeah, have a good one. And that was your first Test tour as vice captain or co vice captain with Josh Hazelwood. He wasn't over there, but so you were there uh, doing those duties yourself. Did you do anything differently? Did you feel uh, any different in the side over there as vice captain? No, I didn't. No, um, I, I really enjoyed the, the role. Um, I think. You know, the, um, one of my strengths for my leadership in, in Western Australia is that I haven't changed one bit as a person. Um, 
I had a bit of personal stuff going over the, on in the UAE. Um, I lost a very close friend the week before the first test. Um, so that was a challenge in itself um, for me mentally to, you know, to try and prepare well while you know, my family was going through a fair bit of tragedy back home. Um, that was certainly an experience in itself. But, yeah, from a leadership perspective, um, I haven't changed one bit. I'm, I'm the same old bloke. I love getting around the lads, and I see that as my job. Um, you know, Timmy Payne's going to have plenty on his plate during the summer. It's, um, you know, it's up to me and Josh to keep the boys up and about and, and um, yeah, keep them on track. Sorry to hear that, Mitch. Um, but you came back to Australia, uh, 151 for the bull, uh, for Western Australia against Queensland Pardon. Uh, did you make any changes, any technical changes or any mental changes uh, when you came back? And Because you've just hit the ground running in Shield Cricket. Yeah, I made a few little tweaks. I think, you know, as an international cricketer or as any cricketer, you're always tweaking your technique. Looking back on footage, I had a good couple of hits with Scotty Mewen, my batting coach. Um, he picked up a few things. It's my, my eyes weren't really level at the point of release, uh, which for me is really important, being so tall. It only takes for me to fall over a little bit, and um, you know, I can tend to get hit on the pad. So um, I went over to Brisbane and I was able to rectify that. Um, and it's really nice to, to come back and get a big hundred. Um, you know, my my spot in the team is obviously always a lot of chat to talk about it. So um, the only way for me to well, put that aside is by making lots of runs in shield cricket and, and playing well. So that's been my focus. I love coming home, playing for Western Australia, and, and capturing this um, bunch of lads. They're, they're a great bunch, and we've been able to play some really good cricket the last couple of weeks. So hopefully, um, you know, we can do that again this week against New South Wales. I was going to ask you about that, Mitch. It seems like you and Sean seem to cop a lot of heat from the fans. Um, I know you don't read a lot of what uh, is written in the media or what's said in the media, but do you feel under pressure more often than not um, just because of the, the scrutiny that comes around your spot? Oh, look, I think I, I've said it a few times. Um, I love the fact that Australians are so passionate about sport. Mm. And um, you know, the world we live in now with social media, every, everyone gets to have an opinion and a lot of people see those opinions. So... It's very easy for you know, that to grow around the country. Um, ultimately, mate, I'll do my best um, for Australian cricket, and not everyone's going to agree that I'm in, always in the side or whatnot. But um, I've got a job to do for the boys. I try and do that to the best of my ability. Um, I train hard, um, get around the boys as much as I can, and, and that's all I can control. And, and hopefully, I'll be able to go out there and perform this year. And who knows, mate? Maybe I'll change a few opinions around the country. That's the way. Uh, what about um, your spot in the team? You, I mean, you were one of the stars in the Ashes win last year, and you played pretty well in South Africa as well. How do you feel about your spot in the eleven? Is, is it? I mean, is, do you go as far as to say that you're cemented in there? Because there's a lot of good all-rounders around the country, and I'm sure they all want that spot as well. But how do you feel about your position? Yeah, look, oh, I don't think I've 100% cemented my spot down, um, but I feel like um, from where where I was 12 months ago, I'm a much better cricketer, and I. I showed that last year in the Ashes. Um, in the first couple of games in South Africa, I was able to um, do okay. And um, obviously, I had a pretty poor. I then I had an injury and I had a pretty poor series. Well, I had a very poor series in the OE. But um, yeah, I'm only ever one innings away from changing that. And hopefully, I'll be able to start well against India. Um, you know, if I get picked, and then go from there. But I still think that yeah, um, well, I have to believe that I'm the best all-rounder in the country because if I don't, then. And I'll be, I'm a sitting duck, so um, yeah, I'll continue to believe that. I'll continue to train hard, and uh, hopefully it all comes off for me.
So you said um, hopefully you get picked in the first test team in the, at the Adelaide Oval on December 6. Uh, mate, so you make that 11. Has there been any talk about where you would bat? Because you batted at number four in the UAE. What was it like batting at number four? And, and probably where do you see yourself in the test 11 uh, in the batting lineup? Um, yeah, look, I, I enjoyed the opportunity, but I didn't take it. So um, I would imagine that um, yeah, if I play, I'll be at number six. When I first started playing cricket, um, I used to hate batting at number six because I was young. I wanted to bat at number four, but um, the more I've played number six, I've learned to really love that role. Um, you know, you, if you bowl a few, a few overs as an all-rounder, you get a bit more of a break. Um, and the situation of the game is always changing. You always find yourself in, in different uh, situations. You can come in when the team's in a bit of trouble or sometimes you come out at you know, four for 300 and you get to have a bit of fun. So... I've really loved to, to um, I've grown to love that role, and, and I think that um, yeah, I'm probably best to lose number six in, in the test team for sure. Down the track, could you see yourself up there a little bit higher in the order? Um, oh, look, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I love batting number four for, for Western Australia, but I mean, ultimately, you only get uh, those opportunities if you perform and if you make lots of runs. Um, you know, JL always speaks about it. Batting in the top four for Australia, or batting anywhere, is an honour, but. To have the privilege of batting in the top four, you've got to earn it and um, you've got to take your opportunity. So, um, yeah, for me, well, I'm really enjoying batting number six at the moment and um, I think that's where I'm best suited for the team. And you're in the team as an all-rounder. How's the bowling coming along? Yeah, look, the bowling's um, going pretty well. I've um, bowled you know, probably 30 overs a game in the, in the last two Shield games, which is more than I've bowled. Um, and probably just because I'm captain, I just keep bowling myself. So, it's <laughs> been pretty fun. But, um, yeah, I, I'm yeah feeling fit, um, feeling bowling fit as well. So I'm looking forward to it. I really want to, um, you know, hopefully I can take my bowling to the next level and really start chipping in with a few important wickets. Um, you know, I know I'm never probably not probably not going to bowl enough overs in a Test match to take big bags, but um, you know my goal is to take you know that one wicket that changes the game or uh, break that one partnership. Um, that, like I said, changes the game for the team. And if I'm doing that, then feel like our bowling attack will do the rest so um, that's my goal I've got to obviously keep my pace up to, to uh, stay in the uh, fast bowlers cartel so watch out for that this year but um, <laughs> yeah hopefully I'll be able to chip in well mate you're already taking the wicket of Virat Kohli every innings right isn't that already uh, locked in yeah Payne is listening mate just get me on <laughs> get in. that's right and you're vice captain now so sure you've got some kind of sway on who bowls and who bowls but I guess if Hayeswood's the other vice captain he'll be bowling from one end all day <laughs> Yeah, I'll be, yeah, I'll be in here. Don't worry about that. I just actually just got off the phone to him before, and I said, "Mate, just give me the ball. Give me, give me the ball with a bit of shine on it, mate." <laughs> <laughs> what about from a bowling front from India? They've performed extremely well in the past uh, couple of series. Their fast bowling attack looks perhaps the best they've ever fielded. Who's going to be the real threat for them in this summer? Yeah, look, they've got a, they've got a very good attack. Um, I think the conditions in England obviously suited them well, and and their attack doesn't necessarily always play. On, on wickets that are conducive to swing and seam. So I think, um, yeah, it's going to be a big challenge. Um, Jasper Boomerah an awesome talent. I think, you know, if you, if someone with his action came up in the Australian ranks, you're not sure, I'm not sure they'd be getting the game anywhere. So it just goes to show that oh, he's, a, he's an amazing talent, what he's able to do um, with his action and his run-up. It's amazing. So really looking forward to the challenge of playing against him in Test match field. I've played against him in a fair bit in white ball cricket. So... I think he'd be one to watch. But, yeah, ultimately, they've got a very good bowling attack and um, you'd expect nothing less than the number one team in the world. So, 
Absolutely. And, you know, they've got some quality spinners too. Let's not forget the likes of Ashwin, Dadeja and Kuldeep Yadav. Spinners haven't had a great a lot of success, a great amount of success in Australia, touring spinners that is. Um, why do you think that is, Mitch? And, and why do you think that um, sort of touring spinners don't hold a lot of fear to the Australians? Uh, well, I mean, our wickets don't spin, uh, which, which probably helps. Fair enough. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, uh, that's, probably, that's probably the main reason. Um so they can spin, but but not not as much. And I think uh, the spin in Australia, if it is spinning, is very consistent spin. So um, Nathan Lyon's been so good because he gets so much bounce and, and overspin on the ball that uh, he brings in a lot of ways to get people out. Um, so yeah, I, I think um, it'll be a really important part of the series that we can nullify their spinners um, and get their quick bowling, long spells, and you know three or four spells in a day. Um, That'll give us a great advantage against them. Um, because in you know, bowling in Australia, you bats bowl a lot of overs on our wickets. Um, bodies get sore and tired pretty quick, so that'll be a big area for us uh, to try and nullify. And you've got a shield clash coming up against New South Wales. They don't have the test quicks there. Is that a good thing or a bad thing for you, Mitch? You don't get to face the Stark Hazel or Cummins, but on the other side, I guess you'd probably want to test yourself against them. Uh, mate, I've got my WA cap on, and I'm very happy they're not playing. Um, <laughs> you know, it's a good good opportunity for us to um, New South Wales still field a very good side so um, it's, it's a big opportunity for us to um, you know, bridge a gap between a few teams below us um, and obviously Victoria on top of us so um, yeah looking forward to this week, we've got the first ever Shield game at Perth Stadium which um, I really can't wait for, it's another little slice of history to be a part of which I'm really proud of and um, you know, hopefully we can have a good week as a team and it must be a big boost to be able to play at that venue ahead of the, the second test, which is there at, at Perth Stadium. Uh, have you got any inclination about what the pitch is going to be like? Uh, yeah, the pitch um, today looks really good. Um, I think it's going to have plenty of pace and, and carry, as you saw in the one day, as it might do a little bit early, which is what you want in, you know, four-day wickets. Um, but, yeah, uh, it's to be honest, it's, it's a little bit of the unknown. We've only ever had T20s and one days on there, so we don't know how it's going to play. Um, which is, you know, it's pretty exciting going into a game. I think, you know, you play all the wickets around Australia and you sort of know what you're going to get. Um, so this is, yeah, really exciting. Um, you know, hopefully we can play some good cricket. We've been playing some really good cricket the last few weeks. Um, so, yeah, can't wait. Hopefully we get, you know, a decent turnout and people want to come down and watch your cricket. Mate, you've been uh, in form on the field and off the field. Some of your latest work on Instagram is nothing short of magnificent. Uh, can you tell, tell us, um, I think the last one we saw was you cropping yourself in there with the uh, the Ashes winning bowlers, Lyon Stark, Hazelwood and Cummins, and they left out the glue for some reason, but uh, you've gone in there and glued yourself in there. Yeah, maybe that's my goal. By the end of the summer, mate, we can um, just get me in there as a big, uh, big four and gather. I always give the boys a bit of flack about um, yeah, never including me, which is probably rightly so, but I always yeah, get stuck in them. Um, you know, I love having a bit of fun, and um, that's what life's about, mate. So we, we play cricket and play a great game, but you still got to have fun and enjoy it and enjoy everything else outside of cricket. So that's what I try and do, and hopefully you can get a few laughs out there every now and then. Great stuff, mate. Appreciate you talking to us. Uh, all the best this summer, and hopefully chat to you soon. Cheers, mate.
Australia are World T20 champions once again after comprehensively beating arch-rivals England in the final in Antigua. After bowling England out for 105, Australia stormed to an eight-wicket victory with 29 balls to spare as skipper Meg Lanning hit the winning runs to deliver Australia their fourth T20 World Cup title. Australia are World T20 champions once again after comprehensively beating arch-rivals England in the final in Antigua. After bowling England out for 105, Australia stormed to an eight-wicket victory with 29 balls to spare as skipper Meg Lanning hit the winning runs to deliver Australia their fourth T20 World Cup title. Joining us from a beach in the Caribbean is cricket.com.au's ace women's reporter Laura Jolly. LJ, the Aussies probably didn't play their best match in the final, but they still won by eight wickets. Yeah, it was incredible. Um, they did do a really good job with the ball to restrict England. I think the uh, the dewy conditions made fielding pretty tough. They dropped some catches. There are a few fumbles, but they still managed to keep them to a really low score and they chased it really easily. So I think they were pretty happy to have pulled out that performance in the final against a side like England. LJ, what were you thinking when you saw Australia miss all those opportunities in the field? It reminded me of that last T20 of the women's Ashes last year when Australia grasped out five catches and lost to England to tie the series. But what, was you, what were you thinking when you see the misfielding and dropping catches in the big one? Yeah, it was, um, it was a bit worrying, especially when it was Jenny White, uh, who they kept dropping. The same player they, they dropped a few times in that match in Canberra that they lost. Luckily, um, she only scored 43 and they, they stopped her doing any serious damage. But I think it was just very tough conditions. They swapped the ball a few times. It was really wet out there with the dew. So I think it showed when the England bowled just how hard it was for the fielding side. And they, they did a really good job. Ashley Gardner was named player of the match for her 3 for 22 and an unbeaten 33 in the run chase. LJ, what kind of impact does a fit and firing Gardner have on the Australian side? It's just massive what she can do, the X factor she brings to that team. I think she flew under the radar for most of the tournament. Um, she wasn't doing too much with the bat in conditions that didn't really suit her style of play. She was consistently economical with the ball and picked up some wickets, but again, didn't really dominate. And then she just pulled out her best performance in the final. Three huge wickets with Knight and Wyatt in that three. And then she was able to get out there and just play her natural game. She had a chat to us after the match and we asked her what she was thinking because she made a bit of a slow start with the bat and it was looking a little wobbly and she said she just didn't want to go out. She just kept saying to herself, don't play a rash shot, don't get out, just sat through it, wait for the ball to come and she had Meg out there who backed her and she ended up hitting three really big sixes, finishing with a real flourish and showing us exactly why she's in this team. Georgia Wareham would have gone close to winning the Player of the Match award for her 2 for 11 and a crucial direct hit run out. LJ, she's only 19. How good can this leggy be? Oh, it's just incredible, isn't it? I had her pegged as my Player of the Match until Gardner batted and that just gave her the edge, I think. She was picked because of her all-round abilities. Um, she can feel so amazingly well and that's what gave her the edge over other leg spinners like Amanda J. Bellington. And she just showed that she's just unflappable. England are full of great players, the scary prospect bowling to them, and she just shows complete calmness out there. And that direct hit run out was just a huge moment in the match. I think it really took the wind out of England's batting. And she's just prepared with what she can do. And she's only 19, like you said, so you just imagine how good she can get as she uh, develops a bit more. 
Uh, Alyssa Healy was named player of the tournament, uh, four player of the match awards. Um, she donned the glasses, and I think she took them off in the final. Am I right, LJ? Uh, what has she done to take her game to the next level? She's, um, she can't quite put her finger on it even, but I think she's just spent a lot of time during the last year really thinking about her batting game and areas she can improve in. She pointed out a match she played in England during last year's World Cup where she looked at her wagon wheel after the match and realised there was a whole part of the ground she hadn't been accessing. And she kind of thought that if she had been able to score a few more runs in different areas, they would have won that match. And um, I'm not, she doesn't think that may have changed the outcome of that series for them. But she's come home, she's had a huge pre-season with the breakers, and she's, now she's consistently scoring runs. She's full of confidence. And she reckons for eight years she's never actually had that confidence that she truly belongs in this team or at this level. But now that she's got that, it seems like she's unstoppable. Absolutely. Now, Meg Lanning, the captain, how determined was Meg to win the tournament and be there at the end, having lost the past two ICC events and missing the Ashes last year through injury? I think it's amazing to see the emotion that we've seen from Meg at the business end of this tournament. She's someone who's normally a pretty close book. You don't get a lot out of her, but just her reaction to those winning runs said it all. She came into this side at a time when they were just winning a, a World Cup pretty much every year. I think they expected that it all was pretty easy and they've learnt over the last couple of years that even making a final is hard, let alone winning one. So to snap that four-year drought, get a World Cup under her belt again, I think she's just been absolutely delighted. Coach Matthew Mott said the team has left the ego at the door at the start of the tournament. LJ, how much has that philosophy played its part in winning the World T20? I think it's been huge for them. He, Mott really backs the team and he empowers them to go out and play the solid game he wants them to play. He wants them to go out there and be aggressive. And part of that is truly believing that if you go out, play the way Mott asks you to play, which for the top order batters is just to go out there and try to whack it in the power play. And if it fails, knowing that he's not going to drop you for it, even if he fails two, three times in a row, as long as you're doing what you're asked to do, you're going to be still be part of that side. And I know from speaking players it took them a little while to truly believe it but now they're they've all really bought into it they know that if they go out there and play the role that they're given on the day it's going to contribute to the team as a whole so no one is playing for themselves anymore no one's worrying about their average or or anything it's just about getting wins for this team lj rachel haynes is the only player in the squad more than 30 years old uh, is this team uh, a team that can stick together and dominate for years to come considering they're all so young still Absolutely. I think they've, they've picked some really good young players who look like they're going to be in the Australian team for a while to come. And they've got players like Perry and Healy who are just seem to be reaching the peak of their careers in their, their mid-late 20s. So I think they'll hopefully keep this group together at least for the 2020 World T20, hopefully for the 2021 One Day World Cup, which I know they're desperate to win back as well. And it's pretty exciting to think where this team could come. LJ, what's next for the Aussie women now they've wrapped up the World T20? Well, there's definitely no rest for them. They are at the airport now waiting for their flight out of Antigua. They've got to go home via St. Lucia, London and Dubai before they touch down in Melbourne on Wednesday night. On Thursday, they've got a, a welcome home celebration, getting around that World Cup win. And then on Friday, they're launching the WBBL and Saturday bash kicks off at Junction Oval with the big weekend. So there might be a few jet-lagged cricketers around, but I think they're all going to be riding the high of this World Cup win and, and really excited to get out there and play some good big bash cricket this weekend. 
That's an incredible effort. LJ, thank you so much for your time. Amazing work over there covering the tournament. Uh, safe travels home, and we'll chat to you soon. Thanks, Sam. That's it for this week's episode. Don't forget, you can watch the live and free stream of the JLT Sheffield Shield, the Rebel Women's Big Bash League, and get all your news, scores, and highlights at cricket.com.au and the CA Live app. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.